This is a download from the Wireless Theatre Company. Wireless Theatre presents Red Moon. Phase 3. Syzygy. Special report. Penny Carrington investigates as further arrests take place at the women's peace camp outside RAF Spade Adam in Cumbria. Almost as soon as RAF Spade Adam was announced as the British centre of US Spacecom's controversial moon base programme, numerous protest groups have taken permanent residence here at the so called women's peace camp. As one of Eagle One's key terrestrial control centres, RAF Spade Adam has come to represent, to these protesters at least, the very epitome of American nuclear imperialism. I spoke to Felicity Good, co-founder of Women Against Moon Militarization. I must say, Cumbria Constabulary have tried a lot of dirty tricks to clear us out, but we absolutely refuse to be intimidated. But what do you say to the allegations that you are in fact hurting British interests through what you're doing? <laughs> I think that's a load of old rubbish, to be quite honest. Our aim could not be purer, and the stakes could not be higher. We are fighting to save the world from total annihilation. I took the Piccadilly line to Hammersmith and emerged from the station into the famous wasteland. Looming above me on a giant hoarding was the architect's impression of what this grey ruin was meant to have looked like. Norman Foster's gleaming glass gateway to London, complete with blue skies, laughing families, and a helipad straight out of Thunderbirds. Since the funding had fallen through, construction had screeched to a halt like a faulty train, leaving the centre of Hammersmith a grey on brown building site. And so it remained. It looked like the surface of the moon, and then the thought hit me. One day soon, if we weren't all very careful, everywhere on Earth might look like this. The Polish Social and Cultural Association, the POSC Centre on King Street, was my apparent rendezvous. Christ knew what I was meant to do when I got there. For all I knew, it was somebody's way of getting me out of my flat long enough to turn the place over. Still, it was all I had to go on. The place was hosting some sort of trade conference. Lots of fat men wearing drab suits and name badges, drinking coffee and shaking hands. You know the kind of thing. My mystery caller of the previous night had told me I'd recognise someone. And then I did. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Excuse me, you don't happen to know who that man is over there? He's not wearing a badge and I don't want him to think I've forgotten his name. That is Mr. Kezlovsky. He is running the delegation. Kezlovsky, of course. Thank you very much. Mr. Kezlovsky. Or as his card in the MI5 register would have it, Valentin Durkovich Luchnik. Bloody hell. Hey, what are you... Well, hello, Quirk. What are you doing here? Out. 
in. How much trouble are you in? Let me count the ways. Give it a rest, will ya? Those were precisely my instructions to you, weren't they? Who let you know your old pal Luchnik was in town? Oh, you know, a tall, dark stranger lurking in the shadows. The usual. Am I under surveillance? Of course. Well, call them off, will ya? It's a waste of the department's budget. It's already getting tedious reminding you of this. But you don't work here anymore. I'm not the one who needs reminding. Don't make this difficult. Luchnik's not your concern. Agreed. Although I have to say he's looking well. He's living well. Yeah, he always did in London. Not staying at the Ritz, is he? The Savoy. Cheeky bastard isn't even being subtle, it's insulting. Well, do send him my love. Pull over here. This is the last time I'm going to ask you this nicely. Go home, put your feet up and watch telly. If I even get a whiff of you around our KGB friend, you'll find yourself in Chokey so fast you won't know what hit you. Get it? Got it. Good. Taxi! Yeah, where to? The Savoy. Room service. Sometimes, all you need in intelligence work, counter or otherwise, are a few transferable skills. And a lot of patience. Leave the lights off. <laughs> Hands against the wall. Who are you? Are you expecting company? A colleague? Anyone like that? None. What about women? Yes. That's not like you, you old devil. Slopper? Valentin Durkovich. Eddie Slopper! my drug! Likewise, old pal. Are you a villain? You are getting your own bag for the last time we met, eh? <laughs> I'm so happy to see you. Uh, uh, this calls for celebration. Eh? Well, don't go to any trouble on my account. Ah, Tattinger, comme the champagne. Eh? Oh, go on then. <laughs> mm. oh, it has been how long? Four years. Oh, too much. <laughs> so what brings you back to my manor? Ah, you... You ask that, but uh, I'm thinking that you are no longer with British counterintelligence. Bloody hell, word gets around. Uh, we are not without sources just because Anthony Blunt is retired. Eh? <laughs> is it true, or are you playing a double game? I'm out, Valentine. This is personal. Mm. I do not know to believe you, but... Uh, for my own reasons, I will tell you anyway. Officially, I am part of trade delegation on Polish passport. And unofficially? Uh, cause and effect, my friend. 
Butterfly throws man out of window in London, you get tornado in Kremlin, eh? <laughs> you are chasing butterflies, perhaps. You could say that. Uh, lucky for you, we have also vodka. It is a remarkable thing that we should meet at this time. How did you know to find me? I didn't, but somebody's keen that we meet. Ah. <laughs> Tell me, are you familiar with Caesar G? Is he part of the trade delegation too? <laughs> no, no, Caesar G is an astronomical phenomenon. With you here now, it seems things are coming into alignment. I'm not sure I like the sound of that. Mm. Our meeting cannot be coincidence. Uh, I wish I had known you were involved in all this. It is so hard to get anything done on the information they give me. It was ever thus. <laughs> Too true. <laughs> he reminds me of a John. Now, listen, this is funny. As he is leaving for posting in America, a Soviet diplomat is told by his commissar to find out all he can about this fellow called Ashbury and what the hell he did to piss off all the hippies. Eh? <laughs> yeah, very good, Valentine. Uh, uh, my friend, since we have found each other, there is something I wish to share with you. You will understand my power to disclose information is limited. But perhaps, as you say, our ships are sailing the same way. I'm all ears. Good. Be of all ears. I'm going to play you something. A number station. Evidently. But belonging to whom? All right. Go on. Impress me. My people are usually excellent at identifying which service is broadcasting to which agent. But this transmission had us uh, stumped, yes? Well, we are no longer stumped. After meticulous analysis of the times of broadcast, cross-checked against the movements of senior staff of U.S. Air Force, we eliminated all but a small number of key personnel, all of them linked to space combat. Only one of them had the links also to CIA. Who? Lieutenant General Cassius Atherton. We believe... The chief of U.S. Spacecom is making a conspiracy. Any idea what it might be? No. But perhaps you are the man to find out what we cannot. Don't try recruiting me, Valentine. I'd rather we stayed friends. Mm. You will do what you do. There are no sides on a cinder. I'll drink to that. Hmm. It's a crazy time we are living in, now. 
You know, sometimes I wish Korolev had failed to get the N1 working back in 68. He was a sick man even then, had a string of heart attacks, but he fought on and lived. And he won for us, for Russia. But if the Americans had got to the moon first, the world now would be very different, I think. The Americans, oi, they are mad. Deep down, they are all mad. So are you lot. Present company excluded, of course. Ah, Americans are insane, it is true. Deep down, they know the land beneath their feet does not belong to them. They stole it all from the Indians. All their actions are designed to negate this fundamental knowledge. You British, you are also insane. Yeah, but we know we are. <laughs> Very good, yes, yes you, you do know. That is your one saving grace. We Russians, we are pragmatists. If we had lost the moon race, we'd have had the good sense to give up. We never wanted to put a man on the moon. Ridiculous notion. The Americans forced us into it, and when we succeeded, they would not let us leave it at that. Now, both superpowers have nuclear missile bases orbiting the Earth that neither side wanted there in the first place. One of you could always back down. More likely, the other thing happened first. No? Okay, Sloper, I tell you. We fear the Americans are contemplating something that may have crossed our minds also. But we are not mad enough to do it. That is all I can say. When you leave, you better leave by the far escape. Sure. It's about time I did anyway. Before you do, one more thing you should know. The new head of security at US Space Command London is a top CIA killer. We have an extensive file. We think she is your butterfly. Thanks, Valentin. Uh, Valenti, please! I meant to be Polish. <laughs> please know it is important to me that you stay alive, my drug. It is not fashionable in my country to believe one man can make a difference. But it is an undeniable truth that one little stone can start avalanche. You, my mad Englishman, you might be that stone. Nastrovia! Syzygy. RAF Speed Adam, uh, this is Sierra Hotel Juliet uh, coming in at 1837. Good morning! Welcome to Speed Adam, sir! We're going to be running a war simulation, DEFCON 1, maximum readiness. Yes, sir. I saw the protest camp as we flew over. Looks bigger than it did on television. Having much trouble with the natives? Nothing we can't handle, sir. Put the base on alert. Any incursions within the Sector 2 limit are to be met with lethal force. Yes, sir. I hear you, son, but those are our orders. Thank God we're not the politicians.
It's me. We have another problem. Hi. Where to, love? Grosvenor Square, please. The American Embassy? Right. Jump in. It's me. You awake? What do you want? I've just had a word with our friend from overseas. Oh, Christ. Sloper, do you have any idea? There's something big going down, okay? Something to do with the cousins. It's got the competition spooked, and... And I think it's why Wilkins ended up in my car. Wait. Just a second, will you? All right. We'll talk. But then you're out of it, understand? Trust me. All I want's a holiday until this thing blows over. Meet me at the boy statue. One hour. Thanks. The boy statue is a 19th century drinking fountain in St James's Park, just off Birdcage Walk, and it was one of at least a dozen places Quirk could have suggested for a crash meeting. Crash meeting. Now, there's a poor choice of words. Needless to say, it never took place. So, yes, yes, I did. Let's go. The good thing about training is that you slip back into it like a well-worn court. I knew I couldn't go back to the flat. It was time to disappear. Almost time. Yes? Me again, you bastard! Sloper, why didn't you show? I was unavoidably detained. Where are you now? Sorry, but somehow I think I'll stay alive longer if I keep that information to myself. Before I go, though, Quirk, and whatever else happens, I want you to know you're a dead man. Sloper. Be seeing you. Sloper. Sloper. Damn. Did you get a trace on that? Negative, sir. He knew exactly when to hang up. <sighs> we need to find him. Good morning, ma'am. Hi, my name's Susan Madison. I'm here for a meeting with someone from Spacecom, but I wasn't given a name. One moment, please. Dr. Madison? Yes? How do you do? I'm Mrs. Jones. 
You have been listening to Phase 3 of Wireless Theatre's Red Moon. The episode starred Philip Bullcock as Eddie Sloper, Yasmin Holness Dove as Dr. Susan Madison, Joe Riley as Quirk, Georgina Perrion as Mrs. Jones and Felicity, Sarah Whitehouse as the BBC reporter and POSC receptionist, Richard Reed as the base commander, Greg Page as the cab driver, with Stephen Critchlow as Luchnik, and William Hope as Lieutenant General Atherton. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Recording took place at the RNIB Talking Book Studios. The production assistant was Lise Mick. Studio engineering was by Jim Siggy. Editing and sound design were by Joe Richardson. Story by Jack Bowman and Robert Valentine. It was written, directed and produced by Robert Valentine.